ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I need a favor. I need you to rate, review, and subscribe to the Berman Hour podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. It does not matter where. Please leave a five-star rating, write a nice review, and hit that subscribe button. That is so helpful. I can't even begin to tell you, but I did just tell you. So rate, review, and subscribe to the Berman Hour podcast now. Thank you very much. Let's get Hello and welcome to the Berman Hour Podcast. It's good to be with you. I am your host, Jeff Berman. I took the week off for the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope that you all had a really good holiday. I hope that if you had to travel, you did so safely because oy vey, this fucking pandemic, yeesh, this ain't good. This is very bad. But I hope you're all safe. I hope you're all healthy. And I hope that uh, we get out of this soon. Yeesh. My guest this week is Yotam Ben Horan. You might know him from Useless ID. You might know him from touring as Yotam. You might know him from other musical endeavors. But I know him because we've been playing together for 21 years. Yeah. I say this in the podcast, but it's worth reiterating here in the introduction to said podcast. But Yotam and I met in San Francisco in 1999. I think he was 19. I was 17. And since then, every few years, we run into each other at some point in the world when we're both touring. And every time I run into him, it's reassuring. Reassuring that I've made the right decision with my life. (laughs) It was okay to give up everything to be a touring musician. Because Yotam is that good-hearted soul that when you run into him, you instantly feel better. You're instantly able to relax. You're able to talk records. You're able to talk wrestling. You're able to, uh, well, just talk a lot. Because I like to talk a lot, and he likes to talk a lot. And uh, just ask any of our tour mates. Let's get This week's episode of the Berman Hour podcast is brought to you by New Wave and Flow State Coffee. The company is New Wave. Their product is Flow State Coffee. Now, what in the fuck is Flow State Coffee? Let me tell you. It's coffee that is blended with L-theanine, which is an amino acid that naturally reduces stress and anxiety. I need that for sure because I need to reduce said stress and anxiety in my life and in my brain. And that's exactly what Flow State Coffee does. It has caffeine, it's blended with a little bit of raw cacao, and this L-theanine that you can't smell, that you can't taste, it's in there and it helps set your brain into an optimal performance mode. So you get done what you need to get done without the jitters and without the shakes of caffeine. I cannot recommend this stuff enough. It is excellent. Let me help you save 10% off your first order. Go to newwave.co slash Berman. N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N. 10% off your first order. You will be ordering this more than once. I fucking assure you. Reassure you. Whatever it is. Anyway, New Wave. Flow State Coffee. This is what you gotta be drinking. Especially if you're a creative type. Like me. Chances are you are as well. 10% off newwave.co slash Berman. Let's get it. And when everything first went down, you were one of the first people I reached out to because you and I were in the same boat struggling to try to figure out the best way to perform in a live streaming capacity from our apartments and our homes. How has that been for you now all of these months later? Have you figured out a way to properly do it where you're satisfied with, with the, the production quality? Yeah, I mean, it's it, I, I feel like in a way it's like an art in itself, this whole uh, like Facebook live stream, or it became that uh, due to the pandemic. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like, you know, downloading all these, uh, all these apps and making them work together and, you know, sending this, uh, this whole thing thing out for everyone to see and so I, I i became very good at that even though the my macbook has a hard time sometimes you know with the <laughs> with the obs and all that 
think sure. uh, all that stuff going on at once. But I think um, in in the beginning of the pandemic, it was very good. I was having a, I was kind of like second guessing it because I kind of dropped the acoustic thing for a while, and I was like, maybe now is a good time to dive back in and see what the response will be. And people loved it, and then it just became a thing. And then at at some point, I was just like playing it. Facebook lives or Instagram lives every two days and you know and money was starting to become good and then I like you know money became decent from that sure and then then I started you know kind of getting creative with it doing all these like uh lyrical canvases and and just I don't know trying to think of ways to get by I guess but um now it kind of slowed down because I think it's it's been over overdone yeah, I'm performing on a I'm performing on the Booze Cruise tomorrow, the festival in Hamburg. Oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, and it's it's great. I actually played the festival last year, so I'm excited that they invited me back this year, albeit in a virtual capacity. But yeah, I've noticed too that people's want for this sort of entertainment has been waning in the last few months compared to what it was like in April, May, and June. It seems like that was all people wanted to do. And now I think people have acclimated to different forms of entertainment or, it, you know, maybe it just ran its course for a little bit. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I like, uh, I think at, at the point when you see all the like bigger bands and all the like more, uh, let's just say famous bands starting to do live streams and everyone's like, you know, do, doing that, using that platform, you kind of realize that, uh, that's how it is at the moment. There's no other way around it. As much as we'd love to be uh, positive and 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 think that it's about to end that uh, you know next week and the world's gonna open up, but then something else happens and it it closes up again. It's it's weird. Right. Yeah. Well, where are you at the moment? I'm back in Israel at the moment. Okay. And uh, I'm waiting on my uh, U.S. visa to be renewed so I could come back. But that's not that's that's also getting postponed all the time. Sure, sure. Are you trying to get back to Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to get back to Los Angeles, but possibly not to live there. I just, uh, you know, we have this production company right now. I don't know. Maybe maybe you saw like. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this. this is L.A. Yeah. Bratz? L.A. Bratz. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. So you know, <laughs> I I haven't seen those guys in like a year already. We're just. Uh, uh, we're just in touch virtually and we're, we're, you know, we physically have to be together for, I don't know, at least a few weeks. And, and, um, and, and also my girlfriend who is now my fiance, she wants to come with me that we want to go together and. Oh, and, congratulations. congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's another <laughs> thing that happened uh, due to COVID. So at least some good news out of that. Right. And where does she live? Well, she lives in Italy and she's, uh, uh, finishing up her degree in architecture this year so we we kind of have to be split up at the moment but we always like as uh, the creative ways to play live shows we also found creative ways to meet each other when you know on the news they were saying one thing uh, you know i just like went went around it and found found our way to meet and uh, so mm-hmm. we managed to do that so at least we 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 got that got that settled Man, it was hard in the beginning. I think it was like four and a half months till we saw each other. Yeah, well, something I wanted to talk about later in the interview, but fuck it, we'll get to it now. Just okay. because, <laughs> you know. So you're you're in Israel. You're 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 from Israel. We'll, we'll get to your background in just a minute. But something that I really admire about you, and I think other people might, you know, in a voyeuristic sense, they'll they'll look into your life on social media and think. How is this guy kind of all over the place? But you're someone, because you've been based in Israel and lived in Israel for so long, you take advantage of the fact that you're closer logistically to a lot of other places in the world that would be much more difficult for, say, me to tour to or, or to play. And now you're using those those street smarts, if you will, yeah, to get have creative ways in order to see your fiancé, which is awesome. But how has you know, being a musician that's based in Israel helped or affected the way in which you're able to plan tours to different parts of the world? Huh. Well, with Useless ID, for example, we've always, we've always been the band from Israel. So I, you know, I was pretty much uh, located here the whole time. And every Mm -hmm. time there was a tour, we just do the tour. I'd, I'd say that it's, 
probably easier for me to go to well it it wasn't a few years ago to go to russia you know since i got the they they threw me in like a airport jail over there but (laughs) but since uh you know like since like five or six years ago i i'm 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 not really based in israel i just somehow found myself kind of stranded here for now but i wasn't supposed to be here (laughs) and so yeah so you know i as i met you several times at the redwood and um I, I always saw it. So I was pretty much uh, as, as as close as it can be to an L.A. Uh, artist for a while, because most of my business was was there. And I think I spent most time more time there than I did in Israel. But the rest of the time I was just all over the place. So I didn't really have a home. Sure. So, so tell me a little bit more about this stint in a Russian jail. Uh, OK, well, <laughs> I. <laughs> So I, I I realized that solo, like you know you know how it is. Yeah, you you go solo and then you go all over the the world and you you kind of like split it up to territories at some point and you're like, yeah. okay, I do better in this place. I do better. I realized that I don't know what it is, but the Russian crowd, like the Russian punk crowd, they go crazy when I'm there solo. I mean, they love they love useless ID and and when useless ID is there, it's it's more crowd. But for a solo act uh, who started out, you know, playing a 20 people and 30 people and then 20 people and then suddenly, you know, and then in Russia, you have like for me, you know, I played like to 300 people and like, you know, in the hundreds. And then I was invited to open like a a show for a bigger band, which was in front of like 2000 people. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just solo. So I'm like, huh. Maybe something's happening here. Maybe it's like the what happened to useless idea in Japan is happening to me in Russia. So, so what I did, what what I did, which was uh, I think kind of a mistake on on my behalf, was I just went back to Russia. Like I, the first year I went, I was there five times, and uh, and I was just going back and going back and going back. And one of the times I went there, I went through Belarus and uh, I flew out of Belarus into Moscow, and I didn't get stamped. So. So heading out of Moscow, I didn't have the stamp that said uh, I I got into Moscow. It was like I was in uh, I, I I tried to understand. They were talking Russian to me, but from what I could figure out, they they were under the impression that I spent a year and a half living in Russia. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, and and somehow I got out to Israel oh, and I came back yeah. and and I'm like, "No, that did not happen." But you know, there's no one to talk to. And they just threw me into this, like, uh, this really stuffy room with like 17 gentlemen that I tried my best to make them laugh. I took out the guitar and I played some songs. They they weren't having it. I, you guys know Ramones, <laughs> you know, Nirvana, Elvis, nothing. So I, uh, and, and dude, it was probably one of the worst experiences of, of my life. And it how long were you in there? 17 hours straight. Holy shit. I slept. I slept with the lights on on the floor because you know all, it, it was kind of. I think it was like uh, you. You ever see those shows like Oz and all these like prison shows? Mm-hmm. So I got like a little taste of that of like the the uh, hi- hierarchy uh, <laughs> in these places. Like that guy, you know, one of the guys caught the side of the room and he has like the good side. So I just you know next to the food. <laughs> Next to the food in the garbage bin, I just put my stuff there and went to sleep for like yeah. five hours. But it, it was so terrible. I, I thought to myself, man, I, I don't ever want to go through this again in my life. Have you been back since? No, but uh, Useless ID just got offered to do a show. I don't know how everyone's booking tours and shows like for... If, oh, dude, for, I, have, I don't fucking get it either. Everyone's going to be on tour this summer, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, we just got offered to do a show and it's like, uh, I I was supposed to like not enter Russia for like three years and we're past two and a half years already. And I got like these two letters saying that I can enter. So I guess I'm willing to risk it again and see what happens. That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, a very, very terrible plan. (laughs) What could go wrong? Yeah. Oh man, another 17 hours. Well, at least I'll come prepared this time. Like if if that happens, I'll have my own Wi-Fi. I I had I had to like, you know, get creative and try to like think of which words I know in Russian. And those guys weren't even Russian. I think they were like um I don't know, something else like uh Kafkaz, you know that? Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, one of the guys hey. was nice enough to give me his Wi-Fi code and I got on his phone for a bit and let everyone know that I'm stuck. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, you're not from Israel originally, right? You were born in the States? Uh, no, I was born oh. in Israel, but I grew up in the States from like age five until 14 in Brooklyn, New uh -oh. York. So that's why uh, when I see you, we talk about wrestling from the 80s. Yes. <laughs> what, what area of Brooklyn? What neighborhood? Uh, it was uh, it was it was between Avenue U and V. It's like this area over there next to Marine Park. If you, yeah. you're familiar with it, it's like yeah. uh, I think it's like a mile away from Kings Plaza. So pretty much that area. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, those are that's kind of like you're taken out of that right in the middle of your formative years, and then you were back to Israel after that. Yeah. Wow. And then I became the outcast. <laughs> How so? Well. Um, I, I think, well, well uh, when I was in the U.S., I, I was in a yeshiva for like eight years. So uh, coming, like moving to Israel and kind of knowing the Hebrew language, but, you know, being American. And then I, I got, had this culture shock. I was like, oh, what? Kids are walking with like shorts to school, but you, but you only have to, you know, the dress code is only only applies to the shirt. And like everything was like more loose, but the studies were freaking hard. So I, yeah. I, I, and you know, I was just quiet. I, uh, in, in the U S I wasn't like Mr. Popularity, but I, I was, I got around. Okay. I, I was, mm -hmm. I was okay. Like I, I wasn't, uh, I think, I think I was, I was, you know, um, accepted. And when I moved to Israel, I just didn't talk to anyone for like the first, uh, I don't know, a few months or maybe a few weeks. Cause you know, time passes a bit different when you're a kid and maybe it was just yeah. a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, it took me a while, like, but once I discovered punk rock, I think that changed everything that, that told me that it's okay to, to be whoever you are and don't try to be accepted. Just like be yourself and, you know, the right stuff, the right people will come along. Yeah. How connected are you today in 2020 to your Judaism? Uh, well, last year we did a, an album called Chabad Religion, uh, <laughs> in the insistence of Fat Mike. But yeah, it, it was just like, you know, us fooling around at the studio because we were busy doing so many projects. But up until then, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have anything against it. I, ha I do have something against it when when it be when people lose their shit over it, over religion mm -hmm. and like, you know, start uh, saying that this is written in, in the Bible and God says to do this and like just take it like, you know, and it becomes out of control and people just go ape shit. That, that's where I have a problem with it. But as far as like tradition goes, I, I don't, I don't practice. I don't have much of that. No. Yeah. My, my religion is, is, is punk and hardcore and, and free spirit. When did you discover punk and hardcore? How old were you? Uh, four, uh, 15, I think. Okay. Yeah. It was a, uh, kind of like a slow progress. Cause, I, uh, the whole, you know, the whole grunge thing happened. And I didn't like all of those bands. I liked Nirvana. And then I searched for more bands that sounded like Nirvana. And I'm like, no, Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains, they don't sound like this. This band has something else. And when, when you know, I kind of like got around to Sex Pistols, Exploited, Ramones. And then when, once I hit Bad Religion and Gorilla Biscuits, that's when I hit the jackpot. I'm like, oh, this is it. This is, this is it. How were you able to get your eyes and your ears on those bands as a 15-year-old in Israel? Okay, so I'll tell you. Um, so the first year of school, as I as I mentioned before, was was hard. So I got kicked out of school. They wanted to leave leave me behind uh, to do the what was it ninth ninth grade? They wanted me to do ninth grade again, mm -hmm. and I'm like, no way. If I if I can finish with the school thing quicker, I'd I'd rather do that. So I was moved to this art school, and uh, over there. Uh, Ishai from Useless ID, which wasn't in Useless ID at the time. He had this other band, which was a hard, like a hardcore band of 15-year-olds called 911 Pigs. So he was at that school and he was a grade above me. And there was this kid in my class that he was into like, uh, like he was a skater. He And he had like all these trasher magazines and he had these dubbed cassette tapes of Black Flag and Bad Religion. And so every every once in a while, he would give me a different cassette and... But I think it started with um, that same summer. It was the summer of between 94 and 95. So Green Day kind of came out, but it was like mm -hmm. the pre-basket case. 
So I, I, I was familiar with that song Longview because I think they released it first. And then sure. that, when that kid asked me in school if I know Green Day, I'm like, yeah, I saw that song. He goes, no, dude, you got to hear the old Green Day. I'm like, what's the old Green Day? So he gave me the first two albums. He gave me a cassette of that. And, you know, he just, it, it, was, it was thank you to that kid that he opened this uh, world to me. And, you know, it's been great. Yeah, that's awesome. And where in Israel were you at that uh, Haifa. point? In Haifa. What is Haifa like as compared to the bigger cities that listeners would know, like Jerusalem and Tel Aviv? It's more relaxed. It's more chill over here. I mean, I, I feel like Tel Aviv is, is kind of kind of kind of trying to be the New York of Israel. And they're always trying and they're always like so many years behind. <laughs> they're always trying to like showcase Tel Aviv as like, this is the place to be. This is where it's happening. This is where it's all at. But I lived in Tel Aviv for eight years and it was a fucking rat race. You know, the, the months yeah. would would fucking chase each other. I was like, another month passed by. Shit. What did I do? So I think time. Well, now, obviously, because, you know, I uh, rid myself of all those jobs and then I, I just do this. You know, I'm a I'm a musician full time, as you want to call it or or not. I'm just, you know, this is this is what I do <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For better or for worse. This is what I do. I write songs and I hit the road. So. Uh, so yeah, at what point I, did. Uh, yeah. yeah. At what point did Useless ID come together? Well, they they were already a band in uh, November 1994. That's when the band started. Okay. And I, and I hadn't discovered that. So that same kid we spoke about, he told me, oh, there's a band in Haifa that plays this style of music as well. And the singer spent time in the U.S. as well. And he saw Pennywise. And, and I'm like, holy shit, who is this? I have to meet this guy. And when my first band, uh, we did like the second or third rehearsal because I, you know, I was so inspired by hardcore and punk that I just told these two two kids that I knew, let's form a band. I, 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 I want to play. I have these songs. I started writing songs. And uh, Useless ID were the band that, you know, they, they were after us in, uh, in, in, the, re- in the rehearsal place. They, they mm-hmm. had them like the next slot. So, so they walked in and they just told, hey, yeah, you could, you could stick around if you want to hear some songs. And, you know, that's where we kind of like started forming the friendship. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then at what point did you guys begin touring? And, and where did you tour? Just around Israel? Like wh- where would, what would your itinerary well, look like? Well, well they, they were a band. As, as I said, they were a band already. So they were just playing local shows. But on one of the drives um, back home since I was 15 and a uh, guy, I, I think he was, he was in the army back then. Maybe he was like 19 or 20. So uh, he would drive me back home after I, w- I would used to sit in on useless ID rehearsals. And he told me, yeah, we want to get the hell out of here. Once I'm done with this army stuff, we're going to fly to the U.S. And we're, you know, we're going to be like a real, real band. And so, mm-hmm. I, so, so that's where I, I, I thought I, I got to get in with these guys because they, they share the same vision as me of just, you know. So I think in 96, that, that's, that's a year later of of the timeline on of what I'm talking to you about in 96, the yeah. uh, guy finished his army services and they did a, they, they relocated to the States for like eight months. And, you know, they lived in the Bay area, saw a lot of shows, played a lot of shows, made some contacts. And once they were back, that's when I pretty much finished. Um, I think, no, no, not. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Once they were back. So that's pretty much when I finished 12th grade. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> or maybe I, I, maybe I bailed. I think I dropped out in the middle of twelfth grade and just to join Useless ID and, you know, start working and uh, getting ready for their next adventure. Yeah, and do you remember your first tour with them? Yeah. Where was it? In the U.S. Was it the year that we met? Was it nineteen ninety nine or was it before that? We met in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, we <laughs> we met in uh, in San Francisco. We played uh, my old band, The Statics, played with you guys. Oh, at shit. I think you told me that once. Yeah, I I, I think it was called the Cocadry. Yeah, yeah. If anybody Coca-Dree. that's listening from San Francisco that used to that club that was down, I think it was uh, I think it was right downtown, if I remember correctly. Okay, so uh, my first tour with them was '98. Okay, it was like a like a month before my birthday, we, we just set out. So that was probably like January, 1998. 
Okay. And um, so, yeah. So the thing is, before before I boarded the plane, the, you know, my parents came with me to the airport. And uh, so my dad told me, whatever you do, just keep a diary, keep a journal, like write about your experience. And I'm like, what? And he's like, do it, do it. So, so I did. So I, I have every, that whole tour like written in this notebook. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which I, uh, you know, I start. well, we'll get to that, but uh, I, I started actually writing a book at some point. And so I'm, I'm including stuff from all these like journals and diaries in there, but yeah, wow. Writing a book is hard. It's not like writing an album. <laughs> is that something you still do to this day when you're on tour? Do you keep a tour? Yeah. Journal? Yeah, I have these uh, notebooks stacked up in in the other room. Like I, I have like two rooms in in this house. It's uh, it's my mom's place. That's where I'm at at the moment. So uh, I have like this stack of notebooks that it's like my whole solo journey from uh, 2000 and f- like the end of 2014 till pretty much COVID. So I have everything in notebooks. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I that I also want to turn that into. Uh, a book at some point, but dude, it, it, it takes time, man. Yeah. I mean, you're a prolific writer. I didn't know that you were such a prolific writer and, and diary keeper and journalist as well. Um, is you. that I'll kind of that. always been <laughs> part of what you, yeah. Is that kind of always been part of what you do? Like, you know, like you mentioned a few minutes ago, as soon as you heard this kind of music and fell in love with it, you really wanted to start writing that kind of music and performing that kind of music. As that's something that's been a common thread throughout your entire career that you're just always working on a lot of songs. Yes, but there were certain breaks. Like I, I had like the biggest writer's block last year, which pretty much lasted, uh, I don't know, it lasted a long time. I, I just started getting out of it this past month where I had like, I started having ideas and I started writing again. But I think uh, just because uh, I come from a family where my father, he has such a like a work ethic. And so uh, even as a kid, I always felt like you, you can't just sit around and do nothing. You, you always got to do something. So that that's kind of like the mentality I grew up with. So I guess I always had to do something. So it, but I'm still like that. I'm, I'm just like not I'm I, I don't really know how to rest. Sometimes uh like my my girlfriend Paula, she has to force me. She says, "You can just chill today. Just just chill. It's okay." So, but yeah, I get the same spiel from my wife as well. <laughs> I don't get it as much now during this pandemic. Yeah, but we started dating in 2013, and then I left for like all of 2014, practically most of 2015. Oh, damn. And I wasn't done until another time when I saw you. Um, I think it's quite remarkable when I think about. We haven't spent a ton of time together, but it's very rare that it's been in the same place twice. <laughs> because, yeah, like I said, we met in 99 in San Francisco. Um, we crossed paths again somewhere else in the States in the early 2000s. I'm forgetting where. We see each other. We saw each other in L.A. when I was still living there and you were still there. Um, we ran into each other in Seattle at one point. We ran into each other a couple times in Italy. Yeah. Uh, which Surfing is quite remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> we get around. So yeah, I get the same thing from my wife where she's just like, you can fucking chill. Like you don't need to do this today. You realize that, right? Yeah. But yeah. In, in my mind, I'm like, I have to do this right now. But, but you know what? <laughs> the, the whole COVID thing, it kind of set my priorities straight in a way where I'm like, you know what? I don't have to tour a million times a year. I, I can do, uh, I got to be more wise with my time, especially now that there's another person in the picture. And it's not just like, you know, it's not for me. It's not, it's not like I, I left a girlfriend in Italy and whenever I come, the come around, she'll be there and it'll be okay. No, I, I do want to uh, create a, 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 a living with her, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we do want to live in the same place. And so, yeah, I'm, I definitely am going to lower the, as you know it's it's not even an age thing like i i could i feel like i could be on the road but i don't want to be on the road all the time anymore that's, that's how i feel too it's interesting yeah. you say that cuz i i have that same sentiment where i have the energy that i did when i was 17 or 27 yeah. or 33 where i was just <laughs> constantly busy and constantly on the road but it's i don't want to do that anymore exactly I just, 
I don't want to put forth the effort into that sort of hustle. I'd rather be doing that a quarter of the time and be doing something else the other 75% of the time. Exactly. I mean, I think it's pretty much split up to, you know, there's there's bands that made made a wonderful career out of this and solo artists that, you know, some of them are buddies of mine that if they're on the road like eight months a year, they're making a great, great living. And uh, when, when I, and you, you know how it is when like, I'll speak for myself, but when I'm on the road, it's very shaky. It's like I could, I, and I didn't care if I'm making, if I'm breaking even, if I'm losing money, if I'm making money, I just cared about the experience and uh, I did. I didn't lose that. It's just like the the whole priority of it just changed. It doesn't mean I I don't like it. It doesn't mean I'm after it. Just uh, it doesn't mean I'll do it only if uh, many many people come out to see me every night. No, you do it because it's your passion. But I think it's different when when someone is out there every night and you know playing a four or five thousand people. That that that's great. That's that's living the dream. <laughs> yeah, there's a level of comfort there that yeah. you and I only attain in spurts, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. not in consistency. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, at what point did you decide that you wanted to pursue solo music in addition to what you were doing with Useless ID? Um, I think in 2000 and... Yeah, I think in 2010, I, I wrote a few songs that didn't really... Uh, match that didn't match at all what useless id was doing even though we were kind of getting slower at that time but these were like uh indie rock songs and like super slow and some of and then i started writing acoustic and then a buddy of mine i i let him hear the songs and he said why don't you just call it yo tom ben horn and boy what a mistake i could i could have called it like anything else why did i settle for that name but <laughs> wait what do you what do you mean you didn't you don't like the fact that your music's under your own namesake? No, I'm fine with it, but my name is such a weird name. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm looking at the screen right now. It says Yotam Ben Horn, and under that, Jeff Berman. Jeff Berman, that's a good stage name. Yotam Ben Horn is, maybe it's a good stage name in Iraq. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Yotam, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't use my name. I use Divided Heaven, oh, yeah, which makes yeah, half the people that come across me, they think I'm some like religious zealot or something. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say if you're disappointed, I'm I'm more no, disappointed. No, no, I, I, yeah. I I'm I'm not I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I just like making jokes about it. Every, every every time I play a show, I I take a crack at it with the crowd, and they they always laugh at it. But yeah, dude, it's a weird name. Like people that don't know me, the it's not such an inviting inviting name to to what I do musically. That's what I think. Like for example, when when I did Tommy and June, I think that appeals more. To, to the music you're getting, if if you yeah. know what I mean, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if if my name was like Jeff Berman, so that <laughs> I'm gonna do I'm gonna do what Elton John did. I'm gonna steal your name and let let's see how that goes. I give you full permission. If you put out something as Jeff Berman, I I would be honored. That'd be <laughs> fucking great. Uh, I wanted to ask about your record that you did with Joey Cape under the the banner, the label, the idea of One Week Records. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to Joey's idea and the concept and then how you felt as you were in the moment producing and, and writing this record? Okay, so uh, when Joey just came out with the one week stuff and I think Chris Cresswell, or I think Brian Wallstrom and Chris Cresswell, they were the, like the first two yeah. albums out. So uh, a guy from Useless ID sent me like a link. He's like, uh, Joey has a new a new thing. He's like, recording artist. I think this could be good for you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to be good for me. So I sent him some songs and he's like, yeah, these songs are good, but you live so far away. And like, how do you want to record them? And I'm like, damn, he doesn't get it. So when I flew to the U.S. in 2014, so I came to a lag wagon show and gave Joey the CD and I said, here, I'm here now. Can we make the album? So he's like, oh, so you came all the way. We we were familiar already with each other. So we yeah. kind of started this thing where, uh, you know, it kind of like became became a thing. It, it just went on for like three years where uh, I, I had a batch of songs ready for an album and I didn't hear from Joey back in time. So I went and recorded an album and then he got back to me. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. And I'm like, shit, I just recorded a record. Uh, that's what happened with that album, California Sounds. 
So then I just started writing songs again. And that took another two years till Joey had enough of my songs that he thought were worthwhile. And, you know, I, I back him on that because the first batch I gave him after California Sounds were like, you know, you know, the shitty batch when you're just starting to write an album and it's it, it's nothing compared to the stuff you're writing right before you hit the studio. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I could never make sense of that because I, I would always think that there's some magic, you know, as like approaching something again, but there's no rules. So do you suffer from demoitis? No, no, you don't. I, I have a bad case of that on this I, I, I next record dude, I'm working on. Yeah, dude, I, I've worked with so many producers already. I've, I've learned to let go. I just, you know, if I'm working with with Joey Cape or Fat Mike or Bill Stevenson or even the guys in Useless ID where we kind of produce each other. So it's like a kind of choose your battles thing. And um you know, you just got to, you're creating something. You're creating something new from even, even though you made a demo of it. I mean, I'm making demos now and some of them I love, but you know, because it's like garage band de- demos or Logic Pro with like the fake drums. So there's no, uh, there's no like band passion there that, you know, it's just kind of yeah. like, it's, it's kind of flat as far as dynamics go, even if you try to put dynamics in. So I, I'm fine with that stuff changing. I mean, whatever's good. I th- um, I'm sure everyone will pick up that it's good and it shouldn't be changed. I have a song that I'm working on for this next record that I, I it has fake drums and I tried to make it sound kind of drum machine esque. Yeah. And then I came back to it a month later and this was back in the spring. And I thought, this is really good. I just want to release it like this. Do it. And I sent it to some friends of mine and they were like, do not. No, this is not good. <laughs> and I was like, "Really?" And they, yeah, this is uh, this could be better, you know. So I've I've sat with it, and and now it's in the hands of a of a very capable producer who who will who will make it that much better. I hope. And if if it comes out that it sucks, then I'll just you know I'll throw the original demo on Bandcamp and and see what people think. Yeah, why not? So um, back to what you were asking about uh, working with, with Joey Cape. So once I did get to the studio, like the, it, it was very intense, you know, like uh, every day they, they were doing some, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, some construction outside his house. So we'd have to find the right hours to work in. So, yeah. so I, I have a bunch of noises in my recording, like, you know, like uh, uh, sirens and <laughs> someone walking and I don't know something like all these like random noises are inside the recording which will always remind me that there was construction going on outside his house and I was too uh, obnoxious uh, in uh, to like give up recording with him again I'm like no I'm coming on this day and we're doing the album because if not I'm just gonna fly to Israel and I don't know when we're gonna do the album so yeah so we we'd work a few hours a day and uh, Joey, I, I don't. He, I think that he, what he's looking for in a, in a performance is different than what I thought thought he would be looking for. I like, and I think in before I started recording with him, I, I I thought that he would be searching for like this perfect take or this magical take, but he pretty much let me play each song like once or twice, and then. And then he'd sit on the computer for like uh, I don't know, like a half hour, and I don't know what he did. So just like going through the track or going through the wave and like looking at things. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Did you guys keep it to a week? I, I always kind of wanted to ask if if those one week artists, if if it's just a gimmick or it does actually no no it is pencils I, down after seven days. I I heard some artists uh, finish the recording before the week is over. But for me, yeah, it took a week to finish the guitars and vocals and some harmonies. And then, you know, as we as Joey started sending me mixes back, so he would add a little like a keyboard uh, here and there. And I I would talk to like a friend if he could add a cello or I talked to another friend if he could sing some backing vocals. So it would kind of become this little uh, process afterwards of like mm-hmm. layering things but for the most part it's one like my job was one week yeah yeah something that i'm curious what you think about is today's musical landscape in terms of how music is released because you are like me we're kind of on the older side of i don't know 
not elder statesmen, because there's certainly mm-hmm. people that are a lot older than us, but we've seen when our bands in the 90s were really working hard and and forming and trying to figure out how to kind of break into any sort of, you know, touring routine or, or any semblance of kind of a greater community across the world in punk rock, it was a time of demo tapes. And then that evolved into CD demos. And then that evolved into us putting out records, but it also had the internet and you had file sharing that turned into MySpace, which kind of morphed into this wild west of nothing. Mm-hmm. Spotify has kind of cataloged everything, but now playlists are king. Um, as you've gone through this with both Useless ID and your solo stuff, whoops. As you've gone through this with both Useless ID and your solo stuff, what is your outlook on the music industry and releasing music in 2020? And what can you learn from everything that? you've experienced over the past 30 years doing it i mean uh, for the most part like just just an example my my dad likes to watch all these like the voice and idol shows and and yeah. he, he always asked me why don't you go to one of these because i so i tell him no i'm i will never go to one of these because this is totally against wh- what i do i'm a hard worker everything i got from music is not because of the, the, this show you know mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, I I don't want to put the artists that do go there. I don't want to put them down because some some of them eventually do. I I don't know if great things, but great things for someone. You know, one of them became the singer of Queen. That good good for him. You know. Yeah. But uh, I I don't know. It's 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 just it's just weird. I mean, even my my demos are becoming better, and I let some buddies here the stuff I'm recording and he, 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 and they tell me, wow, this sounds like it's totally produced already. You could just put it out. And, and I think many artists do that already, you know, like even a big artist like Billie Eilish, for example, I think she, they record in garage band or they recorded in garage band and look what happened to that. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just have my own experience and my own experience with music uh, I don't, I, I don't see it as, you know, getting lucky. I think, uh, for useless ID, we, we are, we're, we were, we, we are, and we were, and we are very hard workers. Like, you know, we never gave up on this thing that's been going on for 26 years already. Yeah. 25, six. And, uh, yes. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but there are artists like, uh, you know, that are in their 70s. Like there's this artist that I really love called Gilbert O'Sullivan. So he he has this room in his house. He's, I think he's like 72 years old now. And he still records to tape cassette tapes. And he, once he finishes the side of it, he listens back to see like, you know, kind of like, I'm guessing you do this as well with the voice memos on the phone. Once you have like 50 voice memos, you kind (laughs) of listen back to see if there's any good ones. Yeah. So he does that with cassette tapes and he's just old school. He works like eight hours a day and and tries to find the good melodies. So that, you know, people that didn't change with this world and don't just like fart out music to the band camp and like, hey, I, I made a song. Boom. I made a song. I think a song needs to kind of live before before it, it can be released. You know what I mean? It needs. Yeah, to, it's. Because you don't know if it's good. It's okay that you uh, you think it's good. It's it's great if you think it's great, but the song didn't live long enough. So I I think, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna continue being old school. Maybe I'm gonna go back to the cassette tapes at some point too. I have a Tascam four track that I got years ago. Hell yeah! And I still have the tapes. Uh, when it plays back, it plays back at half speed for some reason, but. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm able to listen to it and, and properly get the speed right, I'm, I'm listening to tapes from 2003 through 2011. And there's just, there's a lot of duds on there for sure. But the stuff that's on there that's good, I still go back to it. Wow. Like if I, if I need an idea for a song I'm working on now, I'll kind of go back through my voice notes on my phone. But I'll also go back to those tapes and, and think well, maybe something I wrote in 2008 that's on one of these random tapes is actually exactly what I need. And it's happened, you know, not that these songs have lit the world on fire, unfortunately, but it's, it's to me, it made the song what the song needed to become. 
so there's seeds of those songs that go all the way back to to that time in those tapes and i think there's something to be said to your effect to you know it's like it's like a baby you have to let it you know gestate yeah. for nine months <laughs> or so <laughs> before it comes out um you know you've you're you had a song called true traveler i remember seeing you play it live numerous times um but you you lived that life as a touring artist and you've been all over the world was there ever a point where you got somewhere where you had a moment a smell the roses moment where you could really just stand in awe of where music and your music career had taken you uh solo or useless id i mean either really or both you know because it's a different thing when you get somewhere tremendous by yourself it's a lot sweeter when you get there when you're sharing it with people so i'm curious places in the world that you have made it to that really took you back uh, yeah i to be honest with you if if any place holds a special feeling uh in my heart it's japan i would i i wouldn't imagine in a million years that the first record we put out for kung fu would be so well accepted in japan and we'd have this 20 year, year relationship with the place <laughs> we always go back we're treated so nice uh we're we're friends with everyone there we're friends we we know we know our fans we 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 hang out with them and it's it's like it's just a like a big like a like a big like a nice gathering you know it's not it's not even like uh, we're playing a show tonight it's a special show it's like every time we're in japan it's something special so that i'm always in awe of that like every time i'm getting ready in in the room and you know go, going to the club I, I i think i i have like this moment where i like ah this is going to be a great night i'm so excited mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's how it is with that with um with my solo man i've been to so many places at some point i you kind of lose track and um i i i think it was such a like crazy road you know what i mean it's like yeah it I, it was only go 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 more shows someone's offering you another tour tour you know i so yeah i don't think i even like pinched myself and like realized that i'm living in this uh you know this uh, traveler dream if 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 it's even a dream until 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 one guy from uh, israel that relocated to san francisco he came out to one of my shows in san francisco and uh, i'm like hey man how's it going and he, you know he was like this radio guy in, in israel and he, he had some success here and he's like and his eyes were so lit up so he's like i'm just happy to see you i'm just happy to see this this is and he's like pointing at me and he's like you are the living proof of of being on the road for so many years. And I'm like, holy shit, I am, <laughs> you know, and for me, it was just like, all right, let's play another show. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a good outlook, but it's good to have people come into your life. that can remind you of how far you've come. Yeah. 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 I think I, I had that moment when I was at uh, the beaches of Normandy and mm-hmm. I took my shoes and socks off and just walked, you know, in, in the beach where that battlefield was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I've known people who have gone there on school field trips or people who went there on vacation with their family. And I'm taking nothing away from them because it's a great place to go and it's important to see. But I just had this moment where I was looking out on the ocean and my feet were in the water and I thought, fuck, my music brought me here. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Like these fucking songs that I wrote in my underpants in my dorm, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what got me to this point. Yeah, dude, it's amazing. I mean, what, what it, the, I know many, many artists or many people that are kind of afraid of doing it. And I know, I know there's a fear about it because the first tour I did alone, I just drove myself all over the U.S. Like, but, but I think it was pretty much, no. That I drove up myself like pretty much all the West Coast and like the mid Midwest, but people told me I'm crazy. Like I I met I met up with Chad Price at some point, and he's like, "Hey, who's 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 tagging along with you?" And I said, "No one. I'm just here by by myself." It took me 16 hours to to drive here because because I, I I made the wrong route. So he's like, yeah. "Holy shit, you're driving alone!" 
And I realized that he's right because I would drive through these towns that at some point there would be no town. There would be just a road. It's dark. And if anything happens to the car and there's no service on the phone as well. So I'm like, fuck, Chad is right. Maybe I shouldn't be <laughs> driving alone. So, yeah. So dude. let's talk. Yeah, let's talk L.A. Brats. I know that it's not ideal now because you can't have the working relationship that you want to have with, with your crew because of the pandemic. But what is L.A. Brats? How did it come about? And what's next for the team? Well, uh, L.A. Brats is probably, as you noticed, is is the same, pretty much the same people as the previous production team we had with Fat Mike, the, the decomposers. But um, Fat Mike is just very busy. He's busy with with his life and you know he's he's fat mike <laughs> so so he he got a lot of stuff going for him and a lot of projects that he's involved in and for me i just i just realized that i i can't sit around and wait like i i i'm i work you know so mm -hmm. and uh baz and johnny they're they're kind of the same so so we just decided to go off on our own thing, you know, no, no hard feelings, no bad feelings. Uh, Fat Records is still putting out useless ID stuff and, and we're cool. It's just that that's how it goes sometimes. So we already did uh, Distillers Live for Halloween. We did the sound and visual. Okay. We have a few more things coming up at the moment and a few a few maybes of uh, certain projects that I, I wouldn't believe that I would be involved in. So, yeah, it's, it's, everything's new. We're starting from scratch again, but, but that's how it is. Always great to talk to Yotam. Always great to catch up with him, even if it's virtual. I hope you all are staying safe. I hope you all are staying sane. Please show some love to our sponsors. Get some Flow State coffee flowing through the veins. Go to newwave.co slash Berman, N-O-O-W-A-V-E dot C-O slash B-E-R-M-A-N and get 10% off your first order of Flow State Coffee. And in addition, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this here Berman Hour podcast wherever you're listening. It does not matter where. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week, everybody. Peace. Let's get it.